dear friend, Adam Cox. If Adam, you go ahead and come on up. How many of you guys remember Adam? If you could raise your hand so we know. Okay, how many of you have not heard Adam speak? Oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Yeah, oh, it'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. Is he cool? He's extremely cool. And we also apparently go to the same preaching uh, fashion website. Yeah. Preacher, pre- preachers are us. Cool preachers are us. Yeah. yeah. Um, Adam and I have been running together for at least about 15 years at least. Something like that. Both through 24-7. I've gotten to serve uh, uh, Nava Church for a long time. And, and, you know, in the book of Acts, we see that there's, there's these teams of people that would go and visit and strengthen churches. And then Paul talks about when he did that in Romans 1, he said, hey, I so wish I could be there so I could give something to you, a kind of a spiritual gift, and then receive something from you. And so that's, that's what I believe the Lord wants to do with that. And we've been talking through what he's sharing. I, I really think it's a, a timely thing specifically for us. And it's important at times to hear that from outside of our community so we can hear what the Lord's saying and doing. So I think what will set us up, if we could just, if you could agree with me when we say this, we're just going to say together, uh, Adam, we receive you. You, get, you want to say that together with me so he knows he's at home, he can be himself, and, and you want to hear from Jesus. Let's get over Adam quick, right? Okay, yeah, we saw, we know what his shoes look like. He's 42. Yeah, he looks... Oh, yeah, so he's, you know, so those are all the important questions. We got those out of the way. So let's hear from Jesus. Let's say together, Adam, we receive you. We love you, buddy. Thank you. All right. Fantastic. I feel received. Gail didn't mention uh, that I have a wife named Julie. She's from South Africa. She's my great treasure. I have three daughters. They came back and forth twice throughout this weekend. It's been such a joy. They had to go back for another thing, but um, I'm entering into the middle school years. Please pray for me. Um, I'm surrounded by girls. I guess God trusted me in some way with this (laughs) holy calling. Um, Over the years, there's probably no church that we've walked with more deeply or intimately uh, I lead a church uh, with a part of an eldership called Nava in Kansas City, and there's probably no church we've walked with more vulnerably or deeply than believers. And all of you don't probably know that, but that is the truth, that I carry this family in my heart in a way that all, I carry almost nowhere else. And my wife and I have a running joke that if we ever get fired, we're coming to Guile to, to see what he might help us with. So... Um, I am excited to be here. Since the last time I've gotten to be here, a couple things have happened in the world. (laughs) Hence my title, The Kingdom and a Patient Endurance. Um, I was in uh, my daily Bible reading. One of the things, practices we do as a church family is we read through uh, the scriptures together every year. Uh, It's a chapter a day in the New Testament. It keeps us all anchored. And um, how... Oh, how I have needed the word of God through the chaos of these last years. I, my kind of routine is I kind of drag myself, especially over the last two years, down into my time, my place with Jesus. And I'm blurry eyed. I try to sit still for a few minutes. I breathe in my God. 
I breathe out in whom I trust. I do that until I try to calm down the chaos of my mind. I open my one New Testament chapter uh, for the day, and I try to meet with Jesus and anchor my soul. And that has been how I've survived this wild pandemic, along with a few other things. But I was near the end of the year, was in Bible reading and Revelation, which around Christmas time is just an intense place to be. <laughs> For some reason, we finished there because it's at the end, but you're in Christmas holiday time, and I'm always just like, this is a bizarre, you know, confluence of realities, you know, reading about the end and the shaking of everything and you're trying to buy Christmas presents for your kids and prepare for family holidays. But anyways, this word as I was reading grabbed my attention in the first few chapters and the word was patient endurance. It just leapt off the page at me and Maybe it's because of all that I've been through personally, which has been one of the most humbling and stripping seasons of my life. I am in that sort of midlife crisis stage. Everyone who has been through that, can you be praying for me <laughs> as you go? Everyone who's coming up to that, I pray for you. And um, patient endurance met my heart in a deep way. And um, I think obviously it struck me because of where we've been. But it also felt like it was beckoning me and our church family towards where we're possibly going. It just carried this powerful, attention-grabbing thing when I was reading. And so I want to invite you into that this morning. If we can open our hearts, I need the Holy Spirit. And I just want to pray this simple prayer with you out of Thessalonians. May the Lord direct our hearts into the love of God, our Father, and the patient endurance of Christ. Speak today, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. A little bit on the context of the book of Revelation, and don't worry, I won't be here all morning, but is it the end of the first century under the tyrannical rule of Emperor Nero? There's much suffering. The wicked are prospering. It looks like evil is winning. Christians are struggling. Some of them are dying. And a revelation comes that is to be written to these seven small struggling churches in an overwhelming empire with a powerful emperor. And they're to be read so that there is encouragement of heart in the middle of what's happening and in the unknown of the future. And the word comes through the Apostle John. Right in the intro, Revelation 1.9. I think we have the scripture yet. I, John, your brother and partner in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Three dynamics. He says he's a partner in. A partner in the suffering. That word is thelipsis. I'm not great with Greek, but I looked it up. That's, I think, how you say it. God will confirm it later. Suffering can also be translated pressure. Man, I identify with that word. Pressure. I'm your partner in the pressure. I'm also your partner in the kingdom. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is God's will and reign coming into earth as it is in heaven. And lastly, he says, I'm your partner in the patient endurance. All of these are in Jesus. The pressure's in Jesus. The kingdom's in Jesus. 
and the patient endurance is in Jesus. Now, the thing about the kingdom is we always want more now than not yet. I am living for the inbreaking of Jesus' goodness and healing and health and life and restoration. But as much as I want it more now than not yet, it is still not yet, right? We're waiting on someone to come. And in the middle of this now and not yet is great pressure. Pressure from sin, pressure from an enemy who hates the image bearers of God, and pressure from our own self-will and flesh that always wants to do something different than what the Father wants. And that creates a collision of pressure. Can anyone relate? Please help me out here. Okay, I'm going to need your help. (laughs) And in the middle of the now and not yet, the call in the pressure is a patient endurance. That word just leapt out to me. It made sense to me. And so John, who's Jesus' close friend, sees Jesus' glory. He's been used to hanging out with him. But when he sees Jesus like this, it says he falls like a dead man. He goes from familiar to fascinated in a moment. You think you know Jesus, and then you don't all of a sudden. Because he's what? Been revealed. I want to move from familiar to fascinated all the days of my life. Every time I think I know you, God, let me fall like a dead man again. Never let this wonder and all go away. And then Jesus says he's walking amongst the churches. These little tiny home churches in these struggling cities, they feel so small, they feel so powerless, but Jesus knows them. And Jesus sees them. That encourages me. Do you know he's walking amongst believers' church right now? And he knows you. He knows what you're going through. He cares and he sees. And what strikes me is four times to these three churches out of seven, this word arises. And I just want to look at it. First, Revelation 2.2, the church at Ephesus. I know your works and your toil and your patient endurance. Again, to the church in Ephesus, Revelation 2.3. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. He comes to the church, speaks over the church at Thyatira. I know your works, your love and faith and service and your patient endurance. And then again to the church at Philadelphia. Because you've kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Oh man, I relate to this one. Jesus, with all that he could praise, walking amongst the churches... He celebrates over and over and over patient endurance. I got to be honest. It is not at the top of my exciting list. Patient endurance. When's the last time? Conference. 25,000. Come. The theme is patient endurance. You know, the masses will rock up for that, you know. I'm into exciting purpose and Jesus is into patient endurance. When he walks amongst the churches, he's like, I celebrate it. You are hanging on for dear life. Thank God that this is our king. It has my attention because it has Jesus' attention. 
Your patient endurance has the attention of the resurrected God. I know you. I know what you're going through. I see it. And it moves me. And I'm commending it. I love this. This guy's amazing. So this word leads me to these three dynamics, this interplay of pressure and, and kingdom and patient endurance, and you find them dancing together all over the New Testament. I had no idea. And it brings me in my fascination and all my bizarre word studies, which I'm going to get a little too excited about today, to, to the fourth soil which is the parable of all parables about the kingdom, about the war for our hearts and what happens when the king plants his reign and rule inside of human hearts. There's, of course, the, there's the road that's hard and it's stolen. There's the rocks, you know, and, and someone's excited and that's what I've been all about, exciting purpose. And then it just doesn't last long and bears no fruit. And, and then there's this restricting thorns of, feels like you're reading about American culture at that point, you know, the pleasures and the good things, and, and just nothing happens. And he gets the fourth soil, and lo and behold, what I think is not interesting at all, I think is just survival, Jesus goes, is the only heart condition for thriving and multiplying in the earth. The fourth soil, he says, is patient endurance. What is God planting in your life? It will not grow without patient endurance. But with patient endurance, it will mature and multiply God's way on earth through your everyday normal life. That's what Jesus says. But there's a war for your heart. Okay. So Jesus commended it in the first church. This is wild, though. As you read a little further in Revelation... It's like an anthem rises up towards the church at the end. And in Revelation 13.10 and 14.12, listen to this. It says, here is a call for the patient endurance of the saints. And then again, it says it again. Here is the call for the patient endurance of the saints. Can you hear the anthem of the king? It's rising up out of the pages. And I'm going... Wait a second, if Jesus commended it in the first church and calls for it, can you hear the call in the end church? And in between says it's the only heart condition to mature and multiply the kingdom of heaven. It has my attention. Okay, so let's dig deeper. Are you with me? All right. I'm doing my best to pull you into my weird vortex here. Okay. Okay, I've done it. All right. What does patient endurance mean? There's two Greek words, hupomene and hypomeno. Do not expect you to remember that. Hupomene and hypomeno. We're going to read these out out of one of the smart people's dictionaries of theology here. Okay, do we have that? I think we do. Maybe two down from there. Hupomene says it's the capacity to hold out or bear up in the face of difficulty. Patience, endurance fortitude, steadfastness, perseverance, or the act or state of patient waiting for someone or something, hopeful expectation, bearing up, waiting for someone, the verb which is closely related to it, 
uh, hupomeno means to stay in a place beyond an expected point of time, to remain, stay while others go away. When everyone walks away, you remain. To maintain a belief or course of action in the face of resistance, opposition, to stand your ground, to hold out, to endure, to remain instead of fleeing. And again, to wait with persistence, to wait for someone. Oh, between now and not yet, we're waiting for someone, aren't we? We're holding a course. We've seen the end, but how will we live today and walk out the present? So it combines the ideas of endurance, patient waiting, courage. It's translated in various ways. Sometimes in the scripture you'll read perseverance or endurance or steadfastness or my favorite, patient endurance, hence the title of this message. If you remember nothing else, you're going to walk away and go, that guy just said patient endurance a thousand times. So let's get it down to a more everyday definition. But first, what is it? It's trust that is tested. It's loyal love through fire. This moves God's heart so deeply. You go to 1 Corinthians 13, and patient endurance are the parentheses of the description of love. Love is what? Patient. You get to the end of the sentence, and what does he say? Love in doers all things and never fails. It's almost like God's saying, if you want to love, which is the greatest of these, if you want to move my heart, it's somewhere between patience and endurance. This is what love looks like. This is the glory of God. This is how you worship me. It is love. Famously, Eugene Peterson said, which I love the title, but I can't fully get through the book. I, okay, I got, I got one for Guile. A long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. So what is this definition we can work with? Continuing to love and trust God through it all. Continuing to love and trust God through it all. Don't give up. My dear friend Portia Seal said, I'm a ride or die chick. I'm going to ride or die trying, right? Ride or die with Jesus. Trust him. Love him. And don't give up. That's patient endurance. So what is the significance of patient endurance in the scriptures? Well, first in Romans 15, 5, God is called the God of patient endurance. Whenever God gets named something, we know we're on good footing, okay? The God of patient endurance. It's also not just revealed in the name of God, but it's revealed in the whole story of Israel and the prophets. We turn to James five eleven as an example of suffering and patience, brothers and sisters. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. If you want an example of patient endurance, go to the prophets, it says. We count those blessed who what? Patiently endured. You have heard of patient endurance that Job displayed, and you've seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. We're talking about the patriarchs, patient endurance, 
Abraham, 25 years waiting. And then it's all tested again. You know, Isaac praying 20 years for a child, patient, endurance. We speak of Jacob on this wild, bizarre journey with his brother, patiently enduring for the redemptive story. Joseph, everything you meant for evil, God would turn it for good. What about Israel's journey? 400 years in slavery. And then when they break through, 40 years in a flipping wilderness. It's terrible. And then they finally get to the promised land and inch by inch they take land. It is a patient endurance. Do we have to speak of Jeremiah who no one would ever want to listen to? Head like a flint wall, right? Like patient endurance and on and on the Scriptures say they testify to us of a patient endurance. But what about the New Testament writers? These two terms for patient endurance are used 49 times in 46 different verses. Paul, Peter, John, James, Timothy, Titus, the writer of the Hebrews, all speak of patient endurance. It weaves itself right through the canon from the beginning to the end of the Scriptures. It's like God saying, this is how you love me. It's beautiful. And we're invited into it. It's a virtue, again, that Jesus commands to the seven churches four times, three churches. Alan Kreider, who is a Harvard PhD, in the, a.k.a. smart, and professor of church history and mission, in his brilliant book, worth just the title alone, The Patient Ferment, of the church, of the early church. That's, isn't that a great title? Speaks of this. He describes four factors that contributed to the mysterious growth of the early church in the Roman Empire the first 300 years. The key among these four descriptors, patience. He writes this, Patience was not a virtue dear to most Greco-Roman people. It has been of little interest to modern scholars of early Christianity, but it was essentially important to the early Christians. They talked about patience and wrote about it. It was the first virtue about which they wrote a treatise. And they wrote no fewer than three treatises on it. And in fact, there was no treatise written on evangelism, which is wild in the first 300 years. Christian writers called patience the highest virtue, the greatest of all virtues, the virtue that was peculiarly Christian. The Christians believed that God is patient and that Jesus visibly embodied patience. And they concluded that trusting in God should be patient, not controlling events. Hello, help us, God. Not anxious or in a hurry, never using force to achieve their ends. As we ponder patience, Alan Kreider says, we will come closer to understanding the resilience and distinctive lifestyle of the early Christians that led to their explosive growth. You would never think patient endurance equals radical multiplication and growth, but that is the fourth soil. Jesus is the ultimate embodiment of God's patient endurance. Think about it. With the Father, the uncreated Word of God, patiently enduring Damage upon damage upon damage and his image bearers 
for thousands of years waiting for the fullness of time to come. That is some radical, restrained meekness and patient endurance. And when showing up, 30 years he lives an absolutely hidden, ordinary life in a beautiful, patient endurance. Then to enter in with three years with a bunch of knuckleheads that we can absolutely relate with and endure their stupidity every single day. Jesus patiently endures with people like us. It's wonderful news as you read the Gospels. Yes, thank you. And he patiently endures rejection. People that love him, trying to take his life over and over. Misunderstanding, ridicule, suffering, and torture. Hebrews 12 says it this way. For the joy set before him, he even patiently endures a cross. Scorning at shame. And he sits down at the right hand of God to do what? Patiently wait for a whole of the mess of church history. Sitting there. Patient. Enduring. For his reward. That he's worth, right? Patient endurance. We set our hearts to be the fourth soil. Hearing this in the scripture makes me want to go, yes, cultivate patient endurance in me. Oh God, I don't know how you're going to answer that prayer. Please be gentle. (laughs) Of course I want to be like Jesus if he's the embodiment of patient endurance. But what does it require of us? There's so many scriptures I could go to. There's three things that I believe are required for patient endurance. And there's probably a lot more, but preachers like threes. It's just dumb. And I'm addicted. I'm in alliteration pastor, alliteration anonymous. It's a bad habit. Jesus's perspective. Jesus's presence. And I think maybe the dearest is Jesus's people. How are we going to patiently endure We need Jesus' perspective. There's so many. Like I said, there's 49 places I can go and many more for examples. I'm killing myself limiting it because I'm a geek in this stuff. Okay, we're going to go to Romans 3, Romans 5, 3 through 5, okay? It says this. What is Jesus' perspective? It is hope. Not only that, but we rejoice in our philipsis, our pressure, suffering. Knowing that this pressure is producing what? Patient endurance. And patient endurance is producing proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Jesus' perspective is hope. What does this mean, this scripture? It means this chapter in your story is not the end of your story. If you are here, this chapter is not the end of your story. What you are going through is going somewhere. What you're going through is going somewhere. What you are going through isn't meaningless or pointless. Your faithfulness is not futile. Your trial is not wasted. I have a 
beautiful spiritual mom in the city. And she has great authority, having lost many of her children to death. And she always says to me, Adam, her name's Mama Cofield, Adam, never waste a crisis. I'm like, yes, Mama Cofield, you just, you just back up. You know, authority has spoken. For the last eight years, my wife has gone through every day chronic pain. She is my hero of patient endurance. I wish she was here. And every day I ask her, how are you doing? And I sort of go between guarding my heart to hear the answer and how it goes. And we go through that process. And for eight years, I've watched her not give up her trust in the Father. Go through another day, day after day after day. But it's taken a toll on me learning to patiently endure as well. And actually, thank God for Craig Westoff. He's been a huge help to me. I've learned a phrase to say, this isn't pointless. This isn't meaningless. This is bursting God's glory. I never feel good when I say that. It never makes me happy, but it anchors my soul. Say it with me. This is not pointless. This is not meaningless. This is bursting glory. It must do. Oh, yeah. You guys are really good. I wasn't even having you repeat that. We could keep going. It has to. What a perspective shift. A dear woman in our church whose first daughter has an incredible and painful illness. And she has just suffered. And I respect her so much. She, her life is worship. And one of the things that she says is patiently suffering doesn't earn us a big story. It makes us a safe people for the suffering. The goal of patient endurance is not seeing a big breakthrough. It's not getting a great success story. Of resurrection. It is the resurrected God being formed inside of your being. It is maturity. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory, put on display in the middle of the pressure. The pressure is bringing his image to bear inside of you because you're becoming good news for a watching world. Hope is the perspective. Maybe you're not rejoicing yet, as it says in Romans, but would you open your heart to the possibility of a new perspective called hope? Maybe we'll get to rejoicing in it. James, Jesus' brother, says it this way in James 1, 3-4, and this is in Eugene Peterson's long obedience language. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, how many are saying 2020, 2021, sheer gift? <laughs> it's just been a sheer delight, a sheer gift. You know that what? Under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and your true colors come out. Hello. And then he, he translates patient endurance, those words, in this whole sentence. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. 
Don't squeeze out the side. Don't hit the eject button. Don't walk away from God because your trust and love to the end today and tomorrow and the next day is bringing forth the glory of God. Let it do its work. You're becoming mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. Jesus' new perspective is hope. Now, we're not facing the same persecution and suffering as the church in the Roman Empire or the believers in Ukraine right now, yet. But it doesn't mean that every one of us have not felt pressure. And right now I'm aware, and I'm, I'm going to use some examples, and none of these are generic. These examples, I've removed names from people that I love and have pastored and shepherded and walked with. And maybe you'll identify with one of them. Life is so full and busy, I am overwhelmed in my soul. Pressure. Will I patiently endure? I'm staying faithful to the Father in my season of singleness, but I long to be married, but I see no possibility of that happening. It's painful. Patiently enduring. Trusting in the Lord. I bless you if you're in that place. I'm unsatisfied and unmotivated at work. If I have to go one more day, I'm going to pull my hair out. And much deeper. Oh, two hair. <laughs> I said two hair. You said too late. That was, that was wonderful. <laughs> we long for children. But we're not able to have them. Patiently endure. Cannot get my baby to sleep. Oh, God, I remember this one. Pressure. Pressure of soul. Six years, Lord, you saw. Another whole day of unseen, uncelebrated daily work taking care of kids, and no one cares. But I wake up and I give my best to my little ones again. If you're here, we see you. Patiently endure. It's the glory of God. There's no greater story than that story. There's too much change and my plans keep getting canceled. Hello, COVID-19. Pressure. I'm unemployed and I don't have the money to make it. Patiently endure. A friend that's drifted away or hurt me deeply during this last especially trying season and it's politics and all that has happened. Disoriented and I feel the ache of sadness that gnaws at me constantly. My boss is impossible to work for, but I'm stuck. I feel anxious and often don't know what to do. I'm watching people in the church hurt each other over things that don't matter, and I don't know if I have hope for the church anymore. Patiently endure. I love my kids, but their attitude sucks. Okay? All right. Um, we're in a rut in our marriage, and we can't get out of this pattern. I want God, but everything distracts me and I just don't go to him. This is real pressure. This requires Jesus' hopeful perspective in order to keep going, keep waiting, keep loving, and trusting Jesus. I want to read this scripture in 2 Corinthians four sixteen and 17. It says this, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. 
For our light and momentary troubles, the things I've read don't seem light and momentary. Paul's list don't seem light and momentary. But he says in comparison to what is being birthed, it is temporary. It is light. Why? Because there's a weight of glory that is happening. Don't lose your heart. Don't lose your hope. This is forging and forming a weighty glory. It's not pointless. It's not meaningless. It is bursting glory. And for the Christian, this perspective of hope is not some optimism or wishful thinking. It is what we have banked our entire faith upon. It looked like the end of the story, like evil was winning, death claiming another one, and then Jesus Burst out of death, resurrected from the grave, giving meaning to every single moment of our suffering and proclaiming this chapter that I am in right now is not the end of the story. Even if I suffer till the day I breathe my last breath, this is not the end of the story. He sits at the right hand. And that's where we're in in Revelation. You may not know the future, but you know the one who holds the future, who sits there and we wait until he returns and we patiently endure. New perspective is awesome, but in my uh, experience, it takes more than perspective. It takes Jesus's presence. I'm going to shorten this part because we're kind of over because the worship was so awesome. And I really want to get to the last part, but I want to say this. Jesus' presence looks like this in my life. God said to me, Adam, I know this all sucks and hurts so bad. But you will not lose your heart if you give it to me every day. In this, here, now. Whatever it is for you, fill in the blank. In this, here, now. He says, beloved again. Beloved again. Beloved again. You can have an amazing perspective. Okay, it's all going to, it's producing something great, but that does not get me through today. There is one thing. Giving my broken heart to him over and over so that he can keep me from losing it. And this, here, now. There's a little key Hidden in the word, meno. The word meno is the word Jesus uses when he says, I abide in my Father. Meno is the word for abide or home. Here's the key to patiently enduring. It's hidden in the word itself. Let nothing take your heart away from home. Keep your heart. In the presence of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus wants to empower us in the middle of what we're going through. He knows us in our suffering. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9 says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we've experienced in Asia. We were under what? Great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. We despaired of life itself. I don't know if it got that bad for you in this last season, but this is where Paul's at. I don't want to live anymore. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened, listen to this, that we might not rely on ourselves, 
but on God who raises the dead. The pressure is stripping away every false shelter for your life and heart so you can make your home in God. Who is this, believers, church, coming out of the wilderness, leaning on their beloved? Who is this coming through the fire, boasting in their weakness? Patient endurance is not self-strength. It is not gutting it out. And it is not refusing to acknowledge your griefs and losses. Patient endurance is utter weakness in the hands of Jesus every moment of every day. In other words, there's only one who can patiently endure, and it's not you or me. It's the one who shares his love with you. In our weakness. Now, I've, I wish I had more time to talk about the presence, but I've got to move on to this last one. Jesus' perspective is hope. Jesus has his empowering presence, but you will and I will absolutely not Endure without Jesus' people. The very thing that's being deconstructed called the church is the only way that we can endure for the glory of God to the end. We are absolutely interdependent on one another. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run With patient endurance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so you will not grow weary and lose your heart. We've been called to run patient endurance. We've talked about fixing our eyes on Jesus, a new perspective and presence. But Jesus says you need a great cloud of witnesses in order to make it. Jesus is people. I want to go back to those early home churches in the Roman Empire real quick. Jesus commended them for patient endurance. He commended churches, not individuals. Because that's how we get through. Amen? There is no way to patiently endure without the people of God caring for you, praying for you, strengthening you, challenging you, supporting you. There's no way to do it. And the story of the early church powerfully displays this. They became a faithful, non-anxious presence in the middle of a pagan empire. They became an embodied, self-giving witness of love when everything was trying to pull them apart. Fear and pressures And they endured. And how did they endure? Together. That is how they made it. A new creation community. Stanley Hauerwas and William Willimon say this. I just love this quote. The church is a colony of heaven, a beachhead, an outpost, an island of one culture in the middle of another. A place where the values of home are reiterated and passed on to the young. A place where the distinctive language and lifestyle of the resident alien is lovingly nurtured and reinforced. This is the part I want you to pay attention to. Christians can survive only by supporting one another through the countless small acts through which we tell one another we are not alone. God is with us. Life was hard and they lived it together. Can I get a witness? 
Life was hard, and they lived it together. Their clinging to one another was a clinging to Jesus. Their clinging to Jesus was a clinging to one another. This is the patient endurance of the saints. We have a great cloud of witnesses in the early believers. Maybe no greater example do we have in American history than over 250 years of African-American brothers and sisters worshiping God when everything was destroying them. Year after year, generation after generation, they worshiped the Lord, sometimes with their heads under bowls. Every African-American believer in church, in my opinion, in America, is a sign and a wonder to the patient endurance of God. And you watch as they will lead our cities into the season to come. And can you hear them? They're the great cloud of witnesses. They're saying, if he could carry us through 250 years, he can get you through a global pandemic. He can carry your heart through the pain of loss in your relationships. Can you hear them cheering you on going, patiently endure. Look at Jesus. But I want to say this. This great cloud of witnesses isn't just in the early church or the African-American believers or the underground church in China. It's all around you in this room. This is the great cloud of witnesses. I want to invite Guy up. This guy is a shepherd. We honor you for the way you've shepherded this church, Guy. Can we give him a round of applause? So I'm just going to take a moment and just, as I sat with John and Anna earlier this week, I said, what are patient endurance testimonies that we know about? And within five minutes, we had too many. And so I'm just going to name a few and know that um, if I didn't name you, it's not because Jesus doesn't see you. But I can feel the ferocity of his heart. Simon, I don't know why the Lord's highlighting you to me. I know you're from Eritrea. I don't know what you've endured, but he sees you. He sees you, bro. We're grateful you're here. Your peaceful, gentle presence. Scott and Nicole, what you've endured, as you've loved that child, is that well-meaning people haven't been so helpful at times. You're seen in God's birth and glory. Sherry Gurney, are you here through loss, disappointment, physical trauma, relational trauma, and you spend all your time getting us healed? Yes. Birthing glory. Bill and Terry Neff lost your daughter to cancer. Walked with another daughter for 10 years of addiction. And you say to me every Sunday, Guile, just let it all go because Jesus is the only one who will sustain you. John and Nancy, John has had at least 12 heart attacks. And he still comes and stands right there and does security. Like he's really not supposed to be standing right now. But he's a little stubborn. 
he once told me, man's got to die from something. Chris, Craig Westhoff, Craig, 10 years of clinical depression, and now you bring people out of depression. Yours is the kingdom. I don't see Terry and Aaron Blaine, but chronic illness that lost a child. And Aaron has gotten up here and talked about the power of the Lord to heal and to sustain. Though she's had a child die. And I know her. The heart's clean. She trusts the Lord. Brian, a brother, fighting through helping people in the LGBT community know that they're loved by Jesus. That there's no darkness that Jesus doesn't go to. The rejection. And patient endurance. Thank you. Kyle ends missionary to China and IRS agent. What in the world is that? You guys, Kyle, Kyle is reorienting national systems for the IRS under the power of the Spirit and through great opposition because they're not all Christians there. It's birthing glory, Kyle. Does anybody know um, Paul Schmidt? Paul Schmidt, who is the facilities guy who patiently cleaned up our vomit in the bathrooms and got attracted to the homeless people who had come and got to the point where he launched out in faith to, with no financial remuneration, say, I'm going to give my life to the homeless. Now, the, the merchant serving the homeless community, patient endurance. I'm looking at my CR leaders that were here. We're still here, guys. Lon and Stephanie, what, what have we been through together? Jim and Pam Wyckoff. I'll just say it to you. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for sharing. Anybody know Roger and Donna Nix? Who came to a dysfunctional mess of a church that wanted a leader they could trust and didn't want a leader who they could trust. They, they wanted just a regular guy and they didn't want a regular guy. And he patiently endured for 20 years. Loving. 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 And I'll just wrap. I'm thinking... With my BC buddies. I love that Mike Cassie came up with a word today. My buddies who've been here since the beginning. Like 1997, 98. You've endured. You've endured all of our bad ideas. You've endured great disappointment. Horrible temptation to cynicism. Because of failed leadership. But we're here. Our, our kids are getting married. Well, your kids are getting married. Don't surprise me, children. 
the glory of God is all around us. Believers Church, I believe Jesus would say to you, I know your works. I know your love. I see your faith in your service. And I see that you have patiently endured. You're the fourth soil. He's planting himself inside. I want to take a moment and just close our eyes. And I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the one who wrote your faith into existence. And he's the only one who can live your faith through you and perfect it to the end. He's the one who patiently endures on your behalf. And with your eyes closed, I want you to think about the place that you're patiently enduring. And in that place, I want you to see his smile. We're going to sit still for just a moment. Where is that place for you that you're patiently enduring? Where Jesus says, I know it and I'm with you. There's a few here, even as our eyes are closed, that are saying, I'm hanging on by a thread. I'm not sure if I've already lost heart. And we say with you as your family, it is darkest before the dawn. Do not lose your heart. Don't grow weary at this moment. Jesus, we're inviting you, the one who's patiently endured, to come now near and let them know, I know where you're at, and I am here to give you grace. Draw near, Jesus. I want to bless you all with the prayer that we started with in 2 Thessalonians. And I just, if this has met you today, I want to invite you to receive this blessing. May the Lord direct your heart into the love of the Father and the patient endurance of the Son, Jesus Christ. May the Lord direct your heart into the love of the Father and the patient endurance of the Son, Jesus Christ. One more time for good measure. May the Lord direct your heart. He's the only one that can. Into the love of the Father and the patient 
endurance of the Son, Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. We have prayer teams come forward, please. We're going to have prayer teams in the front for anyone who, this, this God's doing something pretty special uh, and immediate in you right now. It's important to recognize moments in time and respond to them. And these are people we trust and will take care of you, safely pray with you. Do you feel like Jesus spoke to us? Yeah. So Lord, will you make us that fourth soil? We admit we don't really want to. But thank you that that patient endurance doesn't mean we're failing. It means we're right where you want us. We receive it in Jesus' name. Can we say thanks to Adam for what he shared with us? Patiently endure this week. Love you guys.